folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's in Australia. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G-E-E-S, emil.gorgis at tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so for today's episode, we're back with Tracy and Emil, my original uh, partners in crime in our Japan Real Estate Experts panel, JREP. And today we're talking about a variety of stuff, some of it very current and related to the state of affairs at the moment due to the pandemic. So we check in on the state of collaborative, shared and flex working spaces or shared offices. And then we dive into some more macro topics like competition versus collaboration in the real estate arena, the satisfaction of serving clients in various ways, and we each have our own take on that one. Then we look at one of Emil's uh, family home purchase case studies, and we talk a bit about pre-settlement inspections. And then the rest of the conversation is very focused on short-term and medium-term rentals. So Minpaku, Airbnb type, daily or weekly rentals, and monthly rentals or monthly mansion as it's known here in Japan, how to handle management and deal with owner unions, how to choose the right property for the right purpose when you purchase it, do hybrid purpose properties exist at all, and if so, how do they perform? And then we talk also about the typical and more profitable guest profile for short or medium term rentals and how to match the right property profile with the right tenant profile via the property itself, via branding, advertising and research. What types of properties tend to generate higher yields and whether that higher uh, ROI is actually worth the more frequent hassles and headaches that often come with it. And then we also talk a bit about new property constructions, the costs and the timeframes involved in having your home custom built as opposed to off-plan uh, pre-build type designs. So really good, diverse conversation on a whole bunch of interesting topics. Hope you enjoy the banter and I'll see you again on the other side. Hello everyone, we're back. Japan Real Estate Experts Panel. Whether you want us to or not, we're back. We are back. <laughs> Not with a vengeance, with with, <laughs> with with facts and information and, and chit-chat and banter. Yeah, uh, minus Matt and Blanca. By the time you're watching this, you probably already know who Blanca is, um, but they're not with us today. So, Tracy, who are you? So, where am I? 
Who are you? Oh, who am I? I am actually just changing my name on the the thing. I am Tracy. I am in Yoyogi right now, um, but I have been doing impaku or short-term rentals in Tokyo for the last 10 years. Um, that's who I am. I know all about the regulations. I know all about how to run a business. I know all about how to be profitable in this space. And if you're curious, that's I'm the person to contact. Spoiler, you need guests. <laughs> Sorry? Okay, no, I'm saying how to be profitable, you need a guest. <laughs> how to be profitable, you need a guest. That's correct. And um, yes. so The right kind of guest, though. The right kind of yeah. guest. <laughs> right kind of guest. All right, Emil. Okay, the, the next guest, um, myself. Uh, yeah, hey, uh, my name is Emil. I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo, and I help foreign and mixed families buy their personal home in, in Tokyo. Um, so we're a typical real estate agent. Most of the clients in our office are Japanese. I focus on foreigners. Um, so often like a foreign couple or a foreign, one foreign spouse, one Japanese spouse. Um, and we do all the mortgage booking and financing. So if you're not sure about your financing options, what you can, what you can do, how much you can borrow, um, we can help you with that as well. So please reach out. I think my email is probably in the description. It will be in the show notes, yes. Yeah. Cool, thank you. And Ziv, over to you. Um, yeah, I'm Ziv Nakajima again. Um, been doing uh, investment properties and holiday homes in Japan for the past 10 years as well. And um, yeah, whether you're in Japan or out of Japan, you need just the uh, sales support, the purchase support, or the ongoing management. Um, NTI, Nippon Tradings International, we're um, with a place to come. And um, what are we going to be talking about today? Tracy, you've mentioned uh, like. Uh, well, I was just saying that there's been a real, I mean, obviously the world of work has changed in the last couple of years and there's, you know, of course, WeWorks and all of those sort of collaborative spaces um, were really big a few years ago and then WeWork sort of crashed and burned. But the WeWork model is actually still working very well here in Japan, which is um, collaborative workspaces. So it's almost like, you go and rent a desk and you do your work, but the idea is is that 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 every that there's like a concierge, someone who knows what all the businesses are and says, Well, you know, you're doing this business, you know, you should actually be talking to this guy who's also renting a desk down there, and you guys should collaborate. So um that's the space that I really enjoy. I love collaboration. I you know, I've loved it for 20 years. I've always thought that that this that working should be all about win-win rather than, you know, like a pack mentality of like all the, the you know, that um, uh, the the idea that, you know, if someone wins, someone else has to lose. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think we can all win, um, you know, if we put our heads together and also just be decent humans in the process. So. I agree. I agree. I, I actually, I, I don't see competition really. I just see like, is there potential to cooperate or not? But that's exactly. it. <laughs> yeah. But um, a, a lot of people see me as competition and you can't really help that if somebody's like, you know, sometimes you, you're in touch with someone and you're saying, okay, well, we've got these customers that are doing that. You're doing similar things over there. Can we cooperate? And I go, no, we can't because we're in competition. Okay. Yeah, I don't get that. Mm. Yeah. I don't so, get that. Yeah, okay. my, my take on... on the competition side is I don't consider it competition, like especially myself. There, there are some other English-speaking real estate agents and whatnot in, in Tokyo that 
a potential client will either contact me or contact them, right? We do the English support and whatnot, and they'll decide. So that in that case, it's competition. But I think rather, you know, with activities such as this, it's promotion for myself, people looking to buy a house, but also we're when people are involved in the space, we're trying to grow the space bigger. We're trying to make the pie bigger. More people, whether they buy from me or someone else, the more people that end up buying properties and tell their friends, the bigger the pie gets, right? So there's just more clients for everyone, right? Rather than, when I'm not competing over the same client as someone else. I want to grow the pie so there's more for everyone else. And I feel other other companies that are also doing that, um, the people are, you know that are promoting buying a property in Japan, whatever they, they, whether they do the exact same business as me or what, what you guys, are, you know, what Tracy and Ziv are doing, that just, that's growing the pie overall, right? And I want to be involved with that aspect, even if they don't end up buying with me, tell their friends and hopefully I have more opportunities down the line. So I'm, I'm happy to have more uh, agents in this space trying to make the pie bigger. Absolutely. with Japan being like, the world's second biggest property market, there's definitely, as is, there's enough pie for everyone. And the foreigners um, are maybe at best 20, 30% of this market. So, mm. I mean, there's so much room to grow here for providing services to foreign. And also everyone's different and everyone's, you know, best suitable provider is different. There's so many cases where we send, send people, um, your way a meal or somebody else to a Tokyo agent, you, you sort of talk to someone and you recognize, oh, you know, they'd be a lot better served by that person or that company rather than by us. And then again, like Tracy was saying, it's all collaboration, isn't it? And I do that in my hosting. It's actually, I had some friends over for dinner last night and he was like going, you know, we're thinking about, you know, getting a second place and doing it up and, you know, running, running it out short term. And he said, oh, I'm a bit nervous about talking to you because I don't want to do you know, be competition. And I said, no, like this is, I don't see you as competition. It's like, you know, the, what you do is going to be different from what I do. And, and we just share the, share the information. I, I pass on, you know, there's a ton of guests that come to me that would just not be suitable for my house, but I houses. So I know other people who would be, so I'm, you know, I share that information quite freely um, and it comes back to you. I think it does. Yeah. So, so Tracy, I think there've been many times like between us that oh, all we, the time. We, we've like, you know, cause I've got some Airbnb properties or short-term stay properties as well. And I have client inquiries that don't match my, my places or my places are full. And so you're the next person I contact and, and vice versa. And you know, I've got someone who's interested. Your place looks good for that window. What's, sure. what's up? Yeah. The, the more we, I think there's just more, um, more, more overall growth um, that we can, we can have. Uh, Ziv, to your point about finding people that match though as well so we just uh, you bring that up um just yesterday we did the, the final pre-inspection for a house we bought in in yokohama for a client they actually reached out from this podcast i think it was the november of last year october november of last year they, they reached out and saying um look we're, we're married we're sort of having we're expecting a baby still very early expecting a baby in june um, so we need to buy a house and we heard you on the podcast. You help, you know, families, a lot of your clients are young families, just, you know, expecting their first kid, often foreign husband, Japanese wife. And they're like, that's us. That's exactly us. <laughs> so they reached out and December we did sort of, you know, we, um, we, we did one sort of just uh, exploration sort of viewing 
just checking, seeing what things are without really any intent to buy anything just to get to know them and, and so they can understand what their money will actually get them, what to look for in a house. We viewed about three or four properties and then, you know, some, uh, winter break and all that sort of stuff. We said, okay, we'll pick it back up in, in January or February. And then we did that and we found a place, I think it was in March or April, uh, sorry, in, no, in, in February, I think we signed the contract. We're still under construction and it's just completed construction. Yesterday we did the full inspection um, where we, we walked through and we marked, look, there's a scratch on the wall here. There's a ding on the handrail there. All the stuff. Um, generally we do that inspection about two weeks before settlement day and that way the and then um the seller is able to go and repair all the damage or repair any of the, the marks this is, is very common with brand new with brand new properties um and then that that was all done yesterday and we settlement is on may 9th just after golden week we're right in time for the office yeah 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 well like they when people are having a baby they've got a bit of a timeline it's quite clear yeah. for, for the most part this is June, and like okay, like if, if it had been well after June, the construction, then they probably wouldn't have paid attention to that property. We had a few on the, a few candidates. We actually applied for one. There was one that were really keen on. They applied, but then the in-laws vetoed it. They came and they didn't like how it was attached to the one before. So it's okay, um, that's fine. So we had to make sure the with this one as well. Like the in-laws were happy. Um, yeah, we, like even for the first one that they vetoed, I like I suggested look you know like the wife's parents live not far away so i said look why don't we schedule another viewing to recheck and make sure you're happy so this was the third viewing we were doing the in-laws came as well and then after and they seemed fine and nice but then after that i get a call saying no they said they don't like this or that and they don't there's no blessing for this house (laughs) so i said okay um, if we don't have the blessing we don't have the blessing so let's let's look at something else Um, and we found it and yes settlement is on may 9th um, when I saw them yesterday, because it hadn't been like two months, the mother's belly is sort of really out, <laughs> out to here. I was really, really cute walking through and, uh, you know, um, checking everything, making sure everything is in order. Seeing them walk into their new house is fantastic. Yay! Oh, that's, that's something that's that congratulations. I am, um, I kind of like, I love my job. I, I, don't get me wrong. I really, really love what we're doing, but there's something in what you guys are doing that's, um, like we get a little bit of that when we help somebody buy a holiday home, but there's nothing like helping a family settle into their mm. family home or, you know, helping somebody on holiday, enjoy the best ever. Like it's very personal and emotional. And we, maybe 70% of our business is financial, right? It's investors. So, I mean, yes, they're happy when they're making money and, you know, mm. you can kind of feel that emotion as well, but it's not exactly the same as it. Well, look, I mean, I'm also, I'm also really hands-on. Like just on the weekend, I actually helped someone, a client, move from one property to the next property, you know. So I rented a car and, and you know, got all their luggage and, and helped them move. So that's, you know, we're pretty hands-on. I mean, he paid me for it. I'm not doing it out of the just just for because I enjoy moving house. But it's just what you do. We have a very personal contact. Um, yeah. And actually, you know what I've been doing a lot of lately is really month-to-month stuff rather than short-term because obviously the borders are closed. So, um, And we can talk about what the different regulations are between a short-term rental and a, would you say it's a mid-term or a monthly mansion type thing? I, I, think, I, think, uh, yeah. I, think, I think monthly mansion or like monthly rental is more specifies, I think, that, that clarifies more of a, the short-term, the minimum requirement to not be min 
which is, is under 28 days. So I, is, I, I like the wording monthly mansion or monthly rental. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that lately and, and that obviously you don't need to have the Mimpaku license for that and, um, you know, that you don't really need any sort of special permissions to do that. It's just it's just a matter of like having having enough people to to find you to to get you in there um you know the um there's a couple of companies that are fairly well established so they have their you know when people are searching in japanese for monthly mansion they hit those pretty well but everything else that we do is just all word of mouth through the through the grapevine so mm. the the thing with monthly is um like like emil was saying it's Legally, it's considered a normal lease, so nobody really has a legal leg to stand on if they try to tell you that you can't do it, even in a condo block. Um, but the kumiais, the owner union, still don't like it, right? They'll definitely try. Um, they'll give the agent a hard time because, you know, the agents hang these um, key boxes on the on the downstairs gate or, or something of that sort, so people can come in, they can grab the key from there and they give them a hard time with that, or they might knock on the door and say, who are you? Are you renting this place short term? Like they try. It's not like they don't try to, uh, they can even write in the uh, Kumiai uh, rule book that monthly rentals are not allowed. Um, and although they're legally not, you know, they don't have the authority to prohibit that. Like in, uh, Mika Giman, who was here on the podcast a few months back, um, when we talked to her about how do they actually go about handling these monthly rentals, we said, well, we read the Kumiai rule book, and if it says no minpaku, we don't do minpaku. And if it says no monthly, we do it anyway. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, um... Well, because it's it's probably I'm just oh, that's why I pulled this out because this is the contract that we use, and it's um, uh, paragraph two of the Leasehold and Rental Housing Act is where where it's covered for monthly rentals. So, um, mm. service departments. So it's it's a law that's been around a lot longer than the minpaku rule. Yeah, so our contract no, I mean, it's, it's a perfectly that. normal tenancy. The fact that it's for a month or more, um, and you know, it's done with a proper lease means that it's perfectly normal tenancy, and nobody can prohibit it. And um, but they still don't like it. That was that was my point. They still don't like it. Uh, yeah. a, a lot of people don't like a lot of things. It yeah. doesn't mean they have a leg to stand on. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, but I mean, when, when it's an owner union, they do have and building management that serves the owner union, then they do have the potential to make life a little bit more challenging. So it's really important to get a proper management company in place that just knows how to deal with them. Yeah. But I, I think that also um, is important when deciding on the right property to purchase. Absolutely. Uh, We've we, we discussed this, I think, se several times, right? Um, people that are choosing a property that they want to make it a investment or even a family home. Um, so I just had one, like a, a great example. Uh, so, I'll just step back a bit. Yeah, like when you're choosing the right property, you need to be very, very clear about what your primary intention for the usage is and then find a property that will really be able to do that quite well, right? Rather than if you get something that's a bit vague in both areas, you, it's going to be uncomfortable in both areas. So we just had a guy in also in Yokohama, actually, he, he reached out and he's like, Emil, there's a, a property I want to buy. Um, we, we checked with another bank, another agent, and he's not able to see, to get the financing that we wanted. Um, can we discuss with you? And I was like, right under, just under one offer. So 99.8 million yen, so basically a million dollars. Um, and it was, we called the Chintai Heiyo Jutaku, um, which is a, 
it's a mixed residential and rental property. So it's actually like a two-story, large two-story house, but on one half, think of it almost separated in half. On one side of it, there's two two-story apartments, that, sorry, two 1K apartments downstairs and two 1K apartments upstairs. And on the other side is basically a house, two-story house, like three bedrooms downstairs and the LDK, living, dining, kitchen upstairs. Uh, and so, yeah, so he wants to basically buy the primary residence and rent out the, the four rooms. With the Japanese rules for this kind of property, they'll actually say, as long as the residential portion, the primary residence is over 50% of the total uh, property area, you can get the whole thing as a home loan. Mm. Um, even though 50% of it is, is like 45% of it is rental. Um, so yeah, we did that and he found a, a property they really liked. It's brand new, still under construction. Uh, and that was, um, what is it? Like, I think the interest rate was at full, like 100% finance. So they gave the full 99.8 million yen and it's about 0.7%, 0.725% is the interest rate um, for 35 years. I'm not interest rate and it's fully, you can rent out those four, those four apartments. Uh, and the monthly payments on something like that, and about 100 million yen is, 269,000 yen a month, 270,000 yen a month is his mortgage repayment. And uh, I think it's um, about 250 to 260,000 yen is the expected rental return. Wow. So, yeah. It's cutting it close. Um, 60 to 70, yeah, like the expected rental for those just four properties. So he, and he, that's, that was very, very smart on him. And that's why. Did he um, build that? So he did design that like that? No, no, it was off the plan. It was a Tate Uri, which <gasps> is very rare. So really it was rare. actually, yeah. So Tate Uri, so just to explain to the listeners, um, when you, there, there are three ways you can buy a property. Like, sorry, three conditions in which you can buy a property. One is um, a used house, a used building or used house. And that's as it is, right? It's a used property, it's existing. Not much you can do. Um, then there is, for brand new properties, there's two options. There's chumon jutaku. And chumon jutaku means order made house. And that's where you buy the land and then you go to an architect and they design the house that you want. Um, and they get the plans and permits and they'll build, build it on there. And that tends to be quite costly. Okay. Um, the cheaper option for a new house is called tateguri, which means off the plan. Like it's just built and sold. So... You, you know, people have maybe often seen uh, a developer will buy an old block of land, tear down the house and put three smaller houses or six six houses on this one block of land, right? And the, the plans and permits are already accepted for it. And you can't, when you buy it, you can't modify anything. Maybe you can select the wallpaper, do some wallpaper color choices or some slight modifications, but basically you can't, it's, it's going to be built and sold as is. And that's the cheaper option for a brand new property. Because the developer doesn't have to spend time with each um, individual person trying to design it how they like. And the developer doesn't need to, um, uh, I say, like they can, there's economies of scale. When they have six houses that are all pretty much the same, being built in the same timeline that they control, uh, it just ends up being cheaper. And also they make. You see that a lot around town. You see a lot of places that obviously had an older building, um, older building on, they're not like the developer buys it, they knock it down and they build four, you know, three or four buildings on the same block that used to have just one single house. 
and then they they all have a very similar look on the outside or they're yeah. like you can see that they're cookie, a cookie cutter we like to call <laughs> yeah Sorry? and a cookie cookie cutter homes like you yes yeah, cookie cutter yeah yeah cookie yeah. cutter but it's just in one block usually so it's and then i guess but it's the same it's they're almost always very similar yeah and to be honest most of my purchases most of my client purchases are those kind of properties right um so like the where where we're looking at now there's six they built six properties on that one block okay um the one you're coming the one that we just went to visit yesterday uh that was i think it's 115 square meters is their house it's a very big floor ldk with a little yard area on the driveway um yokama has sort of bigger spaces uh this is what maybe it's around 50 million yen for this property you will take and so they they do this because often there's like large blocks of land right and the person selling it the previous owner doesn't want to sell individual portions to someone wanting to do an automated house they'd rather someone come up and just buy the whole lot and that's what developers are able to do they're able to get a good deal on a large block of land and then they do the the value add of the developer is they do the subdivisions they do all the planning they do all the scheduling everything like that and then a lot of people don't want to spend the extra 10 to 15 million yen for the chumon juta for the automated house right when you have like under 100 square meters there's not so much modification that you can do really compared to what would be a off the plan house you can upgrade like the flooring and make you know some nicer design sort of elements but that's kind of it like you, it's hard to really maximize space more efficiently when it's under 100 square meters especially in Tokyo that has even smaller blocks right smaller three story house there's not much you can do there's minimum kind of beams and structural uh, requirements that that you need so it ends up being actually quite a good deal because it's almost 10 million yen like in, instead of paying you know uh 50 million yen for a cookie cutter cookie cutter house you might have to spend 60 to 65 million yen for a custom made house and when it's not a great deal of difference in the end product and not like it could just not be worth that for the individual um and also another thing is the cost it's not just the up upfront cost the timeline is different so you if you want to build your own property you need to buy the land and then you start paying for the land so let's say today you buy them by the by the land you're already paying the mortgage for 500,000 dollars like 50 million yen of land so you're paying 100,000 yen a month already while you're renting your place and it's maybe 6 to 10 months to build a property get the plans permits and and construction done emil so, hang on i i lost you there you were talking about buying properties for particular purposes you need to consider in advance what the purpose of the property is going to be right you were talking about buying for rentals versus monthly rentals versus owner occupied oh. okay yeah i guess when when all, all over on a tangent um into the construction so no, no, i love your tangent i just lost you that's all <laughs> yeah okay so the okay the, that previous point get back when you're deciding on the type of property that you want it's very important to really focus on mm-hmm. does it meet that requirement so if you want to do something that's purely for short term stays right and it's an investment and you want to do it as short term stays then get something that can be licensed as a hotel and do 365 days a year stay if you want something that can be a really good home for you to live for 15 years and then you're going to consider maybe resale value or um potential rental you really need to focus on 
a place that's good for you to raise your family for the next 10 to 15 years. Rather than, you know, I get some people that they plan on living here for 15 years, but they want it to be a good, um, uh, easy to rent out. But that renting is not going to be happen for another, you know, 15 years. So if you want something that's a good rental, it's probably not going to be the best family home, right? But you're not going to need that rental opportunity for another 15 years. So find something that's a really good family home, right? Um, and in this case, the one I said in Yokohama, where it's half of it is rental, half of it is, is uh, uh, residential, usually they're rubbish. Quite often, the ones that I see that are in a reasonable pricing are, are not very good. There's a reason they're being sold, right? Um, as well, like it's maybe it's old wooden building. It's maybe a bit run down. And then also the kind of tenants that you have, like most of my clients are fam young families. So if the attached apartments are one room, 1K properties, often they are only getting income of, you know, 40 to 70,000 yen per month depending on the location. Someone who's renting a 40 to 70,000 yen a month property is often going to be single, maybe a student, maybe um, you know, a new company employee, right? A but lot of the times extreme... it's like destitute elderlies, honestly. Oh, as, as well, yes. Yeah. Right? Which but extreme opposite of what you would want surrounding your young family that you're raising, right? Um, often the people that want to buy a family home you look at the entire street, oh, it's all just houses. There's everyone's got kids that go to a local elementary school, right? It's everyone's, you know, the entire area is family homes, right? And that's a very different dynamic than a place that's got, you know, it's one family home and just some old wooden apartments everywhere, right? Uh, and to have the, that apartment layout within your own building is, is challenging to do right, right? And it's very, very costly as well, because you have to pay for twice as much property. And the banks don't like it as much. It needs to be quite a, quite a uh, proposition, right, for the banks to think it, it makes sense. We were really lucky with this one. When I saw it, I'm like, wow, this is one of the best ones, best layouts I've seen. Because often how it is, is on the first floor, you'll have maybe four 1K apartments, and on the second floor will be the primary owner's residence. Or I've seen some that are opposite. Primary owner's residence on the first floor, and four or five 1K apartments on the top. But then you have just a noise issue, right? All the tenants, just the footprints, it's a wooden, it's wooden house, it's not concrete. There's, the, there's noise. This particular lawn that was separated um, in two, yeah, the, the north side and the south side, and the south side, the north side was like just the apartments. And they, although they're kind of connected to the building, they're connected near the staircase and the bathroom of the building. They're not really, there's no section where it's an adjoining bedroom to it. Um, and it was brand new, off the plan. Uh, the entrance, there's two separate entrances to the building. The residence entrance, and on the other side is the, uh, the, um, the, the primary entrance. So it just looks really, really good. There's no, very little interaction and overlap between uh, the, the owner and the, the tenants. So it was like... I've Great seen job. one done similar. There that she across the road from my house. There's, um, but I don't know that. I think it's, I think the residential side must be less than fifty percent though. So um, the top floor is just one big room, and they have their own entrance, and they have their own. They have an elevator, but the the tenants there's like one, two, three, four, five. There's five 
1K units underneath and they have their own entrance. There's, but there's stairs. There's no elevator there because it's only two floors. But because the owner lives on the third floor, they go in their own side and they have their own elevator, so straight up to the top. So that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it works. Yeah. These um, these hybrids are doable. But I think, like Emil was saying, um, they might serve both purposes if you have to make them serve both purposes. But they're not going to do either really, really well, right? Precisely. We interrupt this broadcast, I always wanted to say this, we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. Precisely. Um, yeah. And that point, Tracy, that you made sort of the way the house is, like it may not be the resident, the primary residence. It sounds like it's maybe one third, one floor out of three is primary residence. Yeah, one floor out of three. But it takes okay. up the whole third floor. The others seem to be like one case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So how that would work. One, it's possible that, that the owner's primary residence is less than 50%. And in that case... You can still buy it, get financing for it, but it won't be a regular Jutaku home loan. No, I think it's... So that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Or the other option, the other situation is, although it looks like it's upstairs, it's it's all just... or the, It's just the top floor. It could be one part of it has a mezzanine, actually has a room downstairs on the second floor. That may be hard, hard to see. I, I don't know they may have this building. So mm. it could be internally, it actually there is over 50% is primary residence. Even if you're talking, I mean, Tracy was mentioning here a few times in the past and we ran simulations together too. So even when you're talking strictly investment properties, so there's not even the consideration of you wanting to live there or not, what you would be buying, thinking about 
long-term leases versus monthly leases versus short-term leases, uh, short-term stays are very, very different properties. Like very different. A, a property that would do super well for, for monthly or short-term lease, if you try to put a long-term tenant in there, the returns would be minute compared to the price of the property, for example, right? And vice versa, something on the um, something in the suburbs that's maybe, you know, single or couple-sized uh, might do really well with long-term rentals, but nobody wants to rent it short-term. So... There are very few, and again, there are some hybrids. There's some, you know, some particular locations, particular profiles that might do okay for both. But usually, if somebody tells us that, you know, somebody contacts us and says, "Okay, we want to invest, and our plan is to do um, maximize profits by doing monthly leases or short-term leases," and okay, well, we're looking at totally different types of properties then. Mm. It's it's not that the one rooms don't do well. It's just when you look at the business as a whole, like short term rentals. Yeah, that earns more money, but it's more effort, right? There's more resources required, and the amount of the amount of resources that are required to to get a booking is pretty much the same for a one room as for a three bedroom. But of course, you know that's the that's the same cost. So you need to you need to get more people in or a bigger you know a, a bigger booking to you know to mitigate those um those costs um it's like i said it's it it costs about the same in terms of um person power um resources um to to get a booking for a short term versus uh, for a small one as well as for a big one so um and there's also some also the price that you can charge there's so many single room places. Um, there's just so many out there that the prices are a real, a real push to the bottom. So Plus we, the, the adjoining services, you always mentioned that you make a lot of money, a lot of extra money by offering other services except for the rental itself. There's probably a lot less of that that you can offer to a single person who's in town for a weekend kind of thing, right? Yeah, no, I mean, the people who are booking the, those single small rooms, they're just wanting a place to crash. Yeah. Whereas what, you know, what I offer in, you know, two, three, four bedroom houses, I'm offering like a, a full guest experience. So I'm charging for that. Um, you know, if someone just wants a place to like a, a place to crash, there's plenty of choices. And that's not what I do best anyway. So um, and, and it's a perfectly fine business model. It's just not just not for me. Um, and now that you're now that you've mentioned because of the borders closure, a lot of your um, short term stays are being converted to monthly stays. Are you finding that that's, there's a different profile there? Like if you could ideally choose a property that from the start would not be Minpaku, would be purely monthly rentals, would you go for different properties or would you still go with the family-sized ones? Uh, for those ones, I can go for a 1D, like actually for monthly stays, you're better off with the 1DK size. That's what I thought. That's what we're finding as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one case just just you know like i said just tend to be too small and too crappy um but for family stays for uh even on the monthly stay if for a family you know the two bedroom three bedroom but there's a lot of single people looking for mm -hmm. like digital nomads um and they're not wanting to have a full family house so um you know that's for that three to six month period yeah um, but I still call one month a short stay. So that's people relocating in that the, the relocations are coming are in. So they're the families that are coming in to take up, to take up jobs or 
professorships at the at the universities, etc. So that's who I'm looking after at the moment, and I would still class them as short stays because they're just having a soft landing, and while they're looking for their while they're looking for their forever home um, or their forever rental, um, and they're unfurnished and waiting for their furniture to arrive. Um, but the monthly stays, um, the service department style, uh, yeah, 1K, uh, 1DK, um, 2Ks, because uh, it's the price point. You know, and it, you get bigger and people don't want to pay that. They want to pay around about the 120000 a month. 120 to 200000 is really all you can charge one person for a yeah. monthly stay. Even if it's a couple, I'd say that's about it, right? Like, yeah. It could, yeah. Mm. We find that the um, the guest profile is quite different, like the people on monthly. And usually the ones that we get are longer than a month. They'd be like somewhere between three to six or even 12 months at a time. And there, yeah, like you mentioned, people relocating in or just about to be relocated out and they don't want to rent a place or people being um, sent to a particular city for a particular job assignment or a project, or it could be, if it's Japanese, a lot of the time it's people who need to be next to a, like an elderly family relative. And that's usually not something that's going to be longer than three, six months. And if it is um, students or tourists and so forth, it's not your typical tourist or student. It's usually somebody who comes here to study for a year, like Japanese study or martial arts or, or uh, um, calligraphy or something of that sort. So the, the, the people that we've had sort of mid-stay before, before this is before the border shut, were people that were here for cooking school, for example. You know, they were doing three, six, 12-month cooking schools. Um, we had quite a few of those. And again, that sweet spot is around about, you know, the 120 to 200,000 a month for well, I 200,000 is already pretty pricey, isn't it? Sorry? 200,000 sounds a bit pricey already. Yeah, but remember, but you know, the places that I do, I don't, like I said, I don't really like those tiny little, tiny rooms where you can touch the walls. I, I you know, I, I don't like those so much. I don't think that's a good way to live. So I don't, you know, I don't respond well to those. Um, and um, uh, so, or we actually had a place that was quite near a hospital. And so we were getting lots of people who were flying in for a particular type of um, medical treatment and their families. So they were here for, you know, one month to two months. Um, so that, that was an interesting, that was an interesting um, business model. Yeah. See, I want to touch on what you were mentioning before about um, the, the type of clients that like investment type clients, and how you work with them sort of differently. That's kind of the reason I prefer working with people searching for their personal home rather than investment properties. Investment properties, people come, are looking for very much just the ROI, the return, not, and it's just, just a pure numbers game, right? What Tracy touched on before, like manage, it's not just ROI, it's like also management and workload the right kind of property, a, a house for, for short-term stay versus the 1K ones, they can both generate good income, but the work, the, the management overhead is so significant. And I, I've, so the need to find the right client is one thing. And I really like working with families because I find that the reason I, I ended up doing real estate was because I started helping people based on my own experience. I've got two family homes myself now and I've got three little kids. 
but going through that journey and then I started explaining to my friends who were also in a similar position, similar search, it became rewarding and I started to make that my work and my business. And so that's what I really enjoy. And then when I get people that are just interested in setting up an investment, I kind of you know, tell them, oh, you know, you should speak to Ziv um, because they, it's just a numbers game. They don't really care about the property. There's no real, um, there's no real passion involved in, in, or, and it's not overly rewarding to try there's to There's passion. It's the just right, a different right. kind of passion. There's a passion yeah. for making money. Oh, yeah, there, there is that. Um, but, like, you know, when you analyze and look, it's like when someone, again, because I've got my three kids under eight years old, I notice, okay, there's the parks nearby. The You know, I was, yeah, I was yeah, with yeah. One, one other client the other day, and we're talking about the property, and the property was located opposite a park. So where there would, he's, he's got three kids as well, they're like six, four, and two. So just two years younger than my kids. And I'm like, you know, I'm talking to the, the mom, I'm pushing one of the kids on the swing, and she's got another one who's passing in her arms. And we're having a chat about the property we're looking at um, whilst we're in this park, sort of, you know, playing with the kids and, and pushing the kids around. Um, for me, that, that's a rewarding sort of aspect. That's what I really like about my work and the, the fulfillment we're talking about. Uh, it's yeah, funny, so I think when we did our initial, um, our initial intro, or, or maybe it was one of the other episode, we talked about how each of us um, came to do what we're doing. Do you remember that? Like, um, how we ended up doing what we're doing now. And I think it's, um, it's very reflective. Like what we're actually, what we actually ended up doing is very reflective of where we came from. Like, um, yes. you know, you started with your family homes and, and Tracy started with her own Airbnb experience. And then um, I came from corporate and customer care. And, you know, I always had this rush when I got a bottom line that was really good. So I, I kind of drifted, I guess, towards that. But I'm, I'm getting a lot of that now with the holiday homes. We're doing more and more holiday homes. So that's a really that's a really nice feeling too. Like, you know, somebody, oh, this house is just perfect. We're going to come here every year and enjoy it. I can't believe it's ours. It's, it's a bit of that, right? It's exactly yeah. what I, I agree with. I agree. Like, that's exactly how I got into what I do as well because I had a need like, like Emil did. And that's really, you know, you sort of speak the language and you understand what people are, are looking for. So, um, and you know, you, you, when you know you can actually help someone, that sort of transcends the money to me. I don't speak money super well. Like I don't do spreadsheets super well. So I don't I, have that. It's, it's of, exactly like, the right? same thing though. Like, uh, yeah, in my case, you know, that satisfaction comes from them having made money, but, you know, knowing that you've provided the solution that they were looking for, that's the real thrill there. So kind of the same thing, but different. Same thing, but different. <laughs> yeah. I've, got, like, I've got investment properties as well that I approach purely as an investor, right? So it's a numbers game. What I have been realizing, I've, I've actually realized for a long time that it's, it's not just numbers are one thing, but management and headache is another. So like we just, I've got a property in Australia and we, I just received like uh, two weeks ago, the, uh, the agent sent me a, a lease renewal request saying, look, you know, the, the mark the um current rates in uh, um rentals are this much and so and in, in australia it's easy to put up the rent every every lease when you're i miss like 10, that dollar yeah i know right um but she goes look we can put it up this much and i i check though mm, i'm jumping online looking and like it should be more like this is what i see as kind of being what is suitable and she said look the tenant if you we've increased it that much um, I think it was like, we were talking like a, a $30, like she suggested like a $30 increase. 
But really, because of COVID, we haven't been able to put it up for a long time. They put restrictions in Australia. It should be more like an $80 increase per week. And I said, look, the, the $30 one, like, I think we can get more. And she looked, the current tenant, he just won't be able to afford it. And I go, how long has he been there? She goes, he's been there for four years. And he wants to re-sign a two-year lease. I'm like, wow, this guy's been for four years and I have not heard a peep from him about this property. It's an old rundown property. Like apparently he, he tries to fix some stuff himself, manage it himself before it comes back to me. It only comes back to me when it's completely broken. Um, and, you know, and that's when the, the agent in Australia will send me an email saying, hey, this is damaged. I'm going to send someone out and like, we need to repair it. And I say, yep, just send someone out, get it done, whatever. And I go, yeah, look, you know what? Just give him that little you know, $20 a week extra increase, 2,000 yen a week extra increase. And give him the two-year lease, it's fine. If he's going to stay there for six years, like, wow, like even a four-year tenant that has been trouble-free, paid on time, it's fantastic. Yeah, and if he wants to be go for another two years or up until however, however he's there, I'm happy just to live off that discounted. I think brand new, brand new landlords really tend to underestimate the, um, the balance there, right? Like people are like, oh, I could get another 50 bucks off this property, but can you imagine the hassle you're going to go through when you're going to have to look for another tenant? Because mm -hmm. this one's going to move out and the next one is maybe going to pay 50 bucks more, but you're looking at two to three months of vacancy and renovations and repairs, and then you don't even know if the new tenant is going to be as good as the old one. It's not worth it so many times, but people, I think people fail to see that until they've actually been through it once or twice, right? Or three times, yeah. Oh, um, three times. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, having a good quality tenant, a good quality long-term tenant, I think is key to um, the, the real estate investment mm. um, aspect, because it's every time people change or not, like that really, I feel that takes away, well, there's all the management the overhead and that takes away the actual extra return you get just from the, the higher rent. It's and very it's, easy to calculate actually. It definitely does. Yeah. 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 And when the rent is higher as well, it's easier for the tenant to say, justify, I'm going to leave at the rent next renewal. Whereas, um, if it's very, very well priced, you know, like, I can't get a great deal like this. It's it's a good deal. I'm just going to stay. I'm just going to stay. And when they're comfortable and they stay, fantastic. It's just very, very minimal effort. They're familiar with the house. Anything that is broken is definitely broken. Whereas someone who's just come new, they're going to come and pick in every little, every little thing. Whereas so, in other um, cases, you don't even want to raise the rent, but you're kind of looking for an excuse to get that tenant to move out, right? Like that happens too. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's definitely sorry, guys. <laughs> you need to go. And there, there is that balance. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely that balance between the right cost. Um, and I know, mean, also yeah. property selection, like we've spoken about in the difference between long-term and short-term leases. Property selection plays into that as well. Like if you're gonna get a cheaper, older, smaller property, then yes, on paper, your percentage yield per annum would be higher, but the quality of tenants is going to be lower as well. And if you try to factor that over over the long term, that's not always the best play too, is it? Well, well Tracy, we have the same the same concept with short-term rentals, right? And you mentioned that like the, the budget one room versus um, a three-bedroom family home. Yeah. The quality of... of I want to say the quality, the the type of guests that you're having, the complaints you get, and they're just their budget. When you want to upsell, additional and how much services. they care for the property too, you can definitely say quality yeah. there. 
Mm. I mean, there, but there is a, you know, you know, there's a lot you can do to to help help your ideal guests select you and help the non-ideal guests select away. So, you know, that's um, that's some subtlety in your marketing and your messaging just to make sure that you're attracting the, I don't want to say the right people because, you know, you know, nine the times right people, people are not bad. They're just not a good fit. It doesn't yeah. mean they're bad people. It's just, you know, you know, they're not just not like not, like just as every house is different, you know, every hotel is different, you know, every short-term rental is different. So it's just getting that, getting that right fit. So, yeah. 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 I, th- I think the wording when we say quality tenants, quality guest, um, it, it doesn't, it, it like the, the meaning is not a different class of person or a different, you know, level of person, but rather, it's like, you know, family homes. You want someone with family who's going to be considerate of the surrounding area. And when you have families, kids go to bed by about 7 or 8 p.m., maybe 9 p.m. There's no crazy parties late at night versus a bunch of college students, right? Like 15 college students, you're like, oh, hold on a second. You know, same house, same money, but wow, like, are they going to bother my neighbors? Like, and you, you know. I don't, think by, I don't think by quality tenant we refer to the quality of the person. It's just the yeah, amount, of he- amount of headaches for the landlord, let's call it, right? I mean, face it, there's going to be more headaches with different types of tenants. There could be yeah. wonderful people, but they're going to be more work. Yeah, but if you yeah. set up, the thing is, if you set up for 15 college students, right, if you actually have a dorm and you set it up and you've got a games room and you've got everything that they need, that's a really good business model for you. But if you're trying to fit a square peg in a round pole, that's where you yeah. that's where you have issues. So, you know, because the key for every lock, there's, a you know, all those sort of cliches come into play. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just getting, listed, getting that right fit. But Tracy, that's very much what you do, right? With your short term, like that's your that's your big thing with your short term consulting is marketing and presenting your property to get like the maximum, like the right. When you have the right guest at the right property, that's when you can really maximize the returns and make it a happy transaction deal for everybody. Enjoy what you're doing, right? It's the difference from going from a generic Airbnb. I actually don't say I'm an Airbnb host, right? Because, um, you know, that means that you're following Airbnb brand. What I try to do is, you know, well, not what I try to do. What I do is I help hosts actually have some brand identity of their own um and uh which is based around their property who they want to have and also their hosting style um and actually having that as a as as a brand and putting that out into the marketplace and uh, using that brand to sell to the guests that are going to be the good fit so yeah i'm all about that all about that and you know if you if you sort of roll out if you just say i'm just going to have this generic house and i'm going to put it up on airbnb then it's like tinder you never know who you're going to get until they land on your front doorstep you know and it and it just could be a wrong fit so you can you can custom you can sort of custom uh, i don't know if design the right word but let's say you have i mean this is it this is the property you have you're not purchasing at the moment you can't you know select based on what you want to do in the future you've got a property it's a given location it's a given size it's a given age of the building mm-hmm. can you still play with that to differentiate or would that always like a, you know a soho type of studio will always get the soho type of 
Guess. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, your house is not the final destination. This is for short-term rentals, right? Your house is not the final destination. Your house is solving a problem for somebody. Now, you've got to figure out why they're coming and what problems they have. So if they're coming to Tokyo, and they're either on a vacation or they're on a relocation, or let's say you're near a theme park and so their their actual final destination is the theme park so how is your place set up so that it's helping the guests achieve their final goal and then knowing what that final goal is writing your copy setting up your setting up your photos um, doing all of that stuff so that you're you're showing that you understand their needs and that they should choose you because you're going to make their life easier in achieving their goals. So it's just, like I said, it's all about changing the conversation from, oh, this is my house, look at it, isn't it nice, to I see you, I know what your problems are, come and stay with me and, I'll, and, and you know, you'll be golden. So it's just a, it's just a, change, of, um, a change of mindset. It's an art and a science. It's a little bit art. It's a little bit science. Yeah, it's subtle. It's a lot. It's a nuanced. It's nuanced. A whole lot of Tracy. And a whole, a whole lot, lot of Tracy. Well, no, it's, the thing is, it's it's not me. It's like you know, I what I do is I draw out from I draw out from the the host what is unique about their property and their area and and having that messaging right. Um, and you know, like I said, it's not you know when you think of just creating some soul and not having a generic you know, corporate rental, because that's a different product altogether. It's just... do, do you sometimes get um, contacted at the stage where people are considering which property they've got, like they have two or three options and they're wondering what would be best for them? Yeah, and there's some tools that you can use to de define like what's going to be a good fit. Like, you know, you can look at, there's some data, there's some data tools around, um, like there's a, there's a site called Air DNA. Um, there's a couple of other sort of pricing thing, pricing tools where you can actually draw on the data, the comparison data, and look at what the average daily rate is, um, what the occupant the, of the of the of the rentals that are already in the area. And so then you can drill down a little bit into the different percentiles, and like you can see what amenities they have, and which um, you know. It, you know, how many places in the area have a hot tub or how many places in the area have a walkability scale of whatever it is. So th there's there's a ton of different, like, really good data-driven metrics that you can use to decide between property A and property B. Mm. This is this is for the, the host buying, not for the guest looking to... Oh, yeah, for the host buying, yeah, for, for deciding on your which places to invest in. Market yeah. research, yeah. Yeah, so it's not just, you don't just buy it on price. You look at what the return's going to be. There's some tools out there for short, specifically for short-term rentals that'll help you make that decision. Mm. They're not all free. Um, you have to pay for them, but, you know, data is power in a lot yeah. of cases. Um, are you guys excited about the borders opening up? We're talking about, you know, sort of, People coming. The parents back in are and in. Staying. Parents and parents siblings are, are in. in. My parents are coming. They're so oh, yeah? excited. Yes, yeah. yes. Very excited. I'm trying to talk mom into coming, but she's like, well, uh, my grandson's not on holiday. I'm not even going to see him all day. I'll come in the summer. Oh. Um, with that, I'm curious like, is there a 
would you just have to apply for a visa? Or can you get it on entry? Is it the typical? You need to provide. So we need to provide a gym in here, passports, um, and they have to provide a copy of their bank balance to make sure, like, it's it's kind of like a visa without having, without a work, without a job. So um, you have to show when you're coming in, when you're leaving, and also that you're coming to visit immediate family members and that you've got enough money to support yourself and that you've got enough money to that to mm. money to support yourself when you're there so yeah. okay and that is that that is um done through is that like is that actually a visa application or is it That's a, through or? the consulate yeah through the consulate okay mm. so, so the the foreign resident needs to go to the consulate and I believe so. The Japanese consulate in your country of residence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I, I've got to get that my, yeah, my Jumin here, my visa status, and they have to show their passport. So, yeah. But like back to the old days where before e visas came in, it's, yeah, you know. Yeah. No, fantastic. I think that's that's exciting. It's good. Um, it's, I'm actually heading to Australia in July, end of July for oh, the month of August. Because it's easier for me to go see. I got so much family in Australia. It's then we'll see a real yeah. background, Emil. You won't have to put on this plastered one anymore. You'll have a nice landscape behind you. It is epic. My sister has a massive, massive block of land. There's a swimming pool, um, like massive trampoline. Um, it's almost like a farm, more like the size of a farm. So, yeah, it's one of the things I miss the most in Australia. Like I love living here, but. Over there, I mean, you know, all things being equal, you have space to live. <laughs> There's a view everywhere you look. Yeah. But, I, but I have to I have to bounce, guys. I yeah, have to bounce. We'll so we will catch up next week. Yep. Okay, let's wrap it up. Thank See you. Ya. Thank you, everyone. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, so there you have it. The usual suspects bantering away on the usual topics. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. I know that I at least really enjoy getting together with these good folks once a week as we normally do. I've been in this business for over a decade now, but there's always so much more to learn, particularly in areas that I'm usually not that active in. And everyone on our panel really knows their stuff super well. So it's always a pleasure for me. I hope you feel the same. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love